0: It is great to be here, and it is great to be uh, surrounded by lots of food. So good job, First Service. This is a lot of food up here, a lot of cases of food. And I also want to thank all of you young people who helped out by bringing food up, carrying those heavy cases up here. Um, I also want to thank the people who wrote checks Uh, That's very helpful as well, and if you did not bring food today and you still like to be a part of what we're doing with this Pack the Pulpit time, you can still write a check. You can give that check to Talitha or Carla or to me, and then they'll do the shopping for us and fill in around the edges and help us to pack the pantry after we've packed the pulpit. So again, thank you very much for that. I want to start out by doing the Project 6K update for those of you who don't know Uh, We have a challenge here at Netherwood Park this year. In 2016, we've challenged ourselves as a body to read at least 6,000 books of the Bible. And as you can see, we've already read 3,185 books of the Bible year to date. So we're ahead of schedule, but I want to encourage you to keep on reading in your Bible. Uh, Keep reporting what you've read so that we can celebrate together when we reach 6,000. And then as we go along and pass that by, I'm sure, a large amount. So again, good job. Thank you guys for participating in that as well. It is transforming this body because we're all immersed in God's word together. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. And Father, I thank you for this outpouring of love that is behind me. And Father, thank you for giving this body a heart for those who are less fortunate than we are. And Father, I just pray that This food will go to those who need it the most, and that as they receive this food and as they eat this food, that they will know that this food comes from you and from your servants, from people who care about them because their God cares about all people here on this earth. Just pray, Father, that hearts will be touched and people will come to know you because of what's been done here today. And, Fathers, we continue to talk about the body of Christ, the body that you have called us to be. Father, help us to to be people who are concerned about not only our own injuries, but those who are injured, who are around us. Help this to be a place, Father, of healing. And we pray this through Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Well, we're in the third week of a month-long sermon series, and we are talking about the body of Christ. In week one, we started off the series by talking about the body of Christ we aspire to be. And we said that we aspire to be a church that does unimaginable things in God's kingdom and for God's kingdom. But we also said that we have to confess that the church often doesn't perform like we aspire to perform. So last week we talked about one of the reasons why we often aren't the church that we want to be and often aren't the church that we are called to be. And that's because the body of Christ is frequently suffering frequently suffering because one or more parts of the body are injured because those parts are suffering. And we know that if even one part of the body is suffering, the whole body suffers. And we know that if even one part of the body is injured, the whole body is injured. And we also know that with the body of Christ, there's no such thing as an insignificant injury. And we also know that there are so many different ways that we can be injured. We live our lives in a fallen world. And because we live our lives in this fallen world, life itself brings injuries. Just living life puts us in harm's way. Puts us in the way of spiritual and emotional and physical and financial and numerous other ways for us to be injured by this life. But sometimes we put ourselves in harm's way. Sometimes we knowingly and willingly and foolishly make choices that are guaranteed to injure us. And they also injure us spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, and any number of other ways. And whether our injuries are life inflicted or self inflicted, the results are the same. We suffer. And because we suffer, so does the body of Christ. And that's what we're going to spend the rest of our time together today talking about. We're going to talk about how do we heal those injuries? How do we heal the body? And we're going to talk about that because we don't want to be a body that just suffers together. We also want to be a body that heals together. And I want to talk about a verse. I want to start off with a verse that I didn't really think is where I would begin this conversation about healing. To me, it's a surprising place to start. It isn't the text that I thought I'd be turning to when talking about healing within the body of Christ. But as I was studying, it's the text that I kept coming back to. And I kept coming back to this event in Jesus' life because it illustrates the two major requirements that must be in place in our body. It illustrates the two attitudes that must be in place in our church for us to have an environment where healing occurs, where healing takes place. So I want you to listen for those two attitudes. I want you to listen for those two requirements as we read our text for this morning. The two attitudes that must be in place for the body to be healed. So listen as Jesus washes some feet. I'll be in the Gospel of John. I'll be in the 13th chapter. I encourage you to turn there and follow along with me. John chapter 13. I'll start reading with verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Moving ahead just a little bit to verse 12. When Jesus had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet... You also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So two requirements. Two attitudes that must be in place for the body of Christ to not only suffer together but for us to heal together. And the first attitude that must be in place for body healing within the church to occur is illustrated by Peter. Peter, bold, outspoken, impetuous Peter. What was Peter's response to Jesus' attempt to wash his feet? What was Peter's response to Jesus on his knees seeking to serve? Well, Peter responded this way, He said, no. He said, no way, I will not allow you to serve me. And that's an understandable response, isn't it? See, Peter knows that this picture is all wrong. Peter knows that the teacher isn't supposed to be on his knees serving the student. Peter knows this picture is all wrong. He knows that the Lord isn't supposed to be on his knees serving the servant. Peter knows he's not good enough. Peter knows he's not important enough to be served by Jesus. But there Jesus is. He's on his knees. And he's not on his knees just because Peter's feet are dirty. No, Jesus is on his knees to teach some lessons. He's on his knees to teach some kingdom lessons. He's on his knees to teach a body lesson. And he's on his knees to teach Peter and he's on his knees to teach us that in his body, that in his church, things aren't going to be the way that they're supposed to be. No, in his body and in his church, things are going to be the way they have to be. And for the body to be what it's called to be, for the body to heal the way that it has to heal. Every single part of the body, every member of the church has to have a willingness, has to have an openness to being served. A willingness and an openness to being served. Open to being served even if we don't think we're good enough. Even if we don't think we're important enough to be served by the rest of the body. See, the only way that we can be a body that not only suffers together but also heals together is if we'll learn from Peter and we'll allow ourselves to be served. Only if we'll allow ourselves to be ministered to when we are injured. See, the body can only heal together if each one of us is willing to say to all the rest of us, I will allow you to go to your knees for me. It's a requirement that must be in place for the body to heal. Every one of us must have a willingness and an openness to being served. You can probably guess the second requirement. You can probably guess the second attitude that must be present in the body for us to heal together. And it's also about willingness and it's also about openness. But it's not about a willingness and openness to being served, but willing and open to serving. It's a powerful picture, Jesus wrapping a towel around his waist. Jesus filling up a bowl with water and Jesus washing feet down on his knees. Not because the apostles' feet were dirty, not because Peter's feet were dirty, No, he went to his knees to teach Peter and he went to his knees to teach us that in his body, in his church, things aren't going to be the way they are supposed to be. Instead, things are going to be the way they have to be. And for the body to be what it's called to be and for the body to heal itself like it has to heal itself, every single part of the body, every member of the church has to have a willingness and an openness to serving. A willingness and an openness to serving. Even if we think we're too good. Even if we think we're too important to serve the rest of the body. After all, Jesus Christ didn't feel that he was too good to serve. Who are we to feel that way? See, the only way that we can be a body that not only suffers together but also heals together is if we'll also learn from Jesus and we'll allow ourselves to serve. Only if we'll allow ourselves to minister to each other when we are injured. Only if we'll remember and follow what Jesus taught. Remember what he said. He said, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet You also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example. You should do as I have done for you. And I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master. Nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The body of Christ can only heal together if each and every one of us is willing to follow Jesus and say to all the rest of us, I will go to my knees for you. Those are the two requirements. Those are the two attitudes that must be present. They must be in place for the church, for the body to be able to heal together. Every part of the body, every member of the church, each one of us must have a willingness and an openness to being served. I must allow you To go to your knees for me. And every part of the body, every member of the church, each one of us must have a willingness and an openness to serving. I must be willing to go to my knees for you. So, what does that look like? How do we make that happen? How do we meet those two requirements and how do we adopt those two attitudes in this body, in this church? And that's what we're going to spend the rest of our time together this morning talking about. We're going to look at how that functions in a church. We're going to spend our time together taking a practical look at the two questions that we posed at the end of last week's lesson. And I know in the time that we have, I can only provide a partial answer. A partial glimpse of what that looks like. But that's what we're going to do. First, we're going to look at the question. As a member of the body of Christ, how should I respond when I am injured? And then we'll consider the second question. As a member of the body of Christ, how should I respond when another member of the body is injured? So the first question. How should I respond when I'm injured? How should you respond when you are injured? Or to put it another way, how can we be willing and open to being served? Well, first of all, I think that it has to come from us starting with where we are willing to acknowledge where we are in our lives. We have to be willing to acknowledge that we are in pain. We each have to be willing to admit that we are injured. And we also have to know that it's okay to hurt. Injuries hurt. Losing a loved one hurts. Damaged relationships hurt. Getting fired hurts. Chronic illnesses hurt. Being abandoned hurts. Being separated from Jesus Christ by sin hurts. And for healing in the body to occur, each of us has to be willing to admit when we are injured. And we have to know that it's okay to hurt. It's natural to have pain when we are injured. The second thing that each of us has to recognize and has to believe and has to embrace is that we are worth healing. See, the body of Christ is unique because in the body of Christ there are no useless appendages In the body of Christ, every member is needed. Every member is vital. Every member is important. And every member is worth healing. So we have to remember that each one of us is worth healing. The third thing that each of us must do when we are injured is we must seek the healer. We must turn to Jesus. And we must turn to Jesus in full confidence that He cares, that He cares about us and He cares about His body. We have to turn to Jesus knowing that He cares for us when we are injured. Listen to what Jesus said about Himself in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. He said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, how do we seek the healer? Well, we seek the healer. We turn to the healer. We turn to Jesus in prayer. We don't just turn to him in prayer. We cry out to him in prayer. We tell Jesus that we're injured. We tell him how we're injured. We tell him about our pain. We ask for his healing. And we do it with complete trust and confidence that he hears and he cares and he responds to our cries. You know, the best examples of seeking the healer, I think, are found in Psalms. Let me just give you a sampling of what it sounds like to cry out to the healer. Psalm 31 be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish, and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction, and my bones grow weak. That's crying out to the healer. But the psalm doesn't stop there. Then he says, let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I have cried out to you. We seek the healer. We cry out to the healer. And where does our help come from? As the psalmist says, our help comes from the Lord. So we must acknowledge the pain. We must recognize that it's okay to hurt We must remember that we are worth healing, and we must seek the healer. But we can't stop there. You see, many of us have this unfortunate tendency to retreat from the body, to back away from the church when we're injured, to run somewhere else, to go somewhere else, to avoid the church, to avoid the body. But for healing to occur, we can't pull away. Instead of pulling away from the church, we must lean into the church and we must lean into its people. For healing to occur, we must also turn to God's people with full confidence that they care. You know, one of the things that God has done, He has given His body shepherds, He's given His body elders. We have wonderful shepherds and elders here at Netherwood Park. I spend a lot of time with those guys. And I want you to know that they care about you and they want to help you heal. And they care about this body and they want to help this body heal. But I have to tell you about one of their frustrations. See, to help you heal, they have to know that you're injured. It's very frustrating To find out that someone's injured and we didn't know about it. So reach out to your shepherds. There are many ways that you can do this. They may look like mean, scary guys, but they're really not. They're really very approachable people. And they care very deeply about you. So you can reach out to them. We have several things in place to help you do that. We sing an invitation song every Sunday. You can walk to the front. You can let your shepherds know, and you can let the body of Christ know that you are injured, that you are hurting, that you need healing. Also, after every service, there's at least one elder with his wife that's in the library. And what they're there for is they're there for you. They're there for you to come to them and let them know that you are injured, that you're hurting, that you need healing. We have those green prayer request cards that are in front of you. It's a way for you to let your shepherds know that you are hurting that you need healing. But believe it or not, every one of those guys has a cell phone. Some of them even know how to text. So you can get in touch with your shepherds in so many ways, but reach out to your shepherds. But our shepherds aren't the only ones who care. Your body of Christ cares. The other members of this church care. Your brothers and sisters care. Your fellow body parts care, and they want to help you heal. So reach out. Cry out to the rest of the body when you are hurting. Lean into the church. Lean into the shepherds. Lean into its people. And healing not only can occur, healing will occur. And it's healing that we're looking for. It's not fixing that we're looking for. It's healing that we're looking for. Let me explain the difference a little bit. See, loved ones won't always be brought back to life. In fact, they will never be brought back to life. Not all relationships will be repaired. Not all illnesses will be cured. Not all injuries will be fixed. Not all injuries can be fixed. But everybody can be healed by turning to the healer and by reaching out to his people and by leaning into the church, by leaning into the body. But if we're going to lean into the church, we have to be confident that the church will lean in to us. So we're going to spend the last bit of our time talking about how we, how the rest of the body should respond when you are injured when you reach out to us, how the body should respond when I am injured, when I reach out to the rest of the body. How can we be a body that's willing and open to serving? How can you know that we will go to our knees for you? How can I know that you will go to your knees for me? I want to begin by telling you that our first response to injury our first response to crying out is crucial. When a member of this body cries out, we must respond. All the rest of us must respond. When someone walks up the aisle, when someone fills out that green request card, when someone goes to the library, we all must respond. But we must not just respond. We must respond in force. It's like the hammer hitting the thumb. The whole body becomes aware of the pain and the whole body reacts, the whole body responds and there's no question, the thumb knows for sure that the rest of the body cares about their pain. So we must respond, we must respond quickly and we must respond in force. We must show we care. We must show that we're suffering with you And we can do this with cards, and we can do this with calls, and we can do this with hugs, and we can do this with kind and sympathetic words, but we must respond, and we must respond in force. We must immediately show our care and our concern. And then where do we go from there? Well, the next thing we must do is we must use our ears. And while we're using our ears, oftentimes we need to mute our mouths we need to listen and after we listen we need to listen and after we listen we need to listen some more see we respond to other people's pain not by telling them about our pain but by listening to their pain and that lets the healing continue and we also pray for each other I pray for you and you pray for me I pray with you and you pray with me. We turn to the healer together. We turn to Jesus together. I turn to Jesus for you and I turn to Jesus with you. And we also recognize the power of our presence. We recognize that our mere presence brings healing power to injured people. So we stand with each other. We go with each other. We don't leave people who feel all alone alone. We bring the healing power of our presence. And when we're with each other, we carry the burdens that we can. We become a crutch when a crutch is needed. We become a brace when a brace is needed. We lighten our brother or sister's load when we can. And when you have burdens that need carrying, that I can't help you carry? Well, then we look to the rest of the body and we help you find people who can carry those loads, who can carry the burdens that we can't. We turn to the rest of the body. We enlist their aid to help share your load. And as we're searching for solutions to your injury, we'll be very quick to listen we'll be very slow and cautious about giving you advice about your injury. And The reason that we'll do that is because we know that the best solutions usually come from the one who is hurting. After they've turned to the healer, after they've turned to the body, the best solutions usually come to the one who is hurting. So instead of giving you advice we'll be very willing to help you explore solutions to your injuries. Because we know your injuries and your pain are unique to you. So we'll avoid saying that we know exactly how you feel. Because there's no way that we can know exactly how you feel. But we'll tell you we care about the way you feel. And because we care about the way you feel and because we care about you, we'll never leave you behind. And in a body where nobody is ever left behind, healing does occur. And how could we leave each other behind? How could we possibly leave each other behind? We're part of the same body. And you are vitally important to this body. And this body is vitally important to you. So Netherwood Park, let's be a body that not only suffers together, let's be a body that heals together. May our God make this a body that healing is always occurring. May this always be a place of healing. So where do we go with the body from here? Well, that's what we're going to talk about next week. Next week, we're going to talk about what happens when the body's healed, what happens when a body part is healed. So I'd like for you to think about a couple of questions over this next week. Ask yourself this, how do we respond when the body is healed? How do we as a church respond when the body is healed? How do we respond when the injured are restored to health? And also ask yourself this, how should we respond when the body is healed? How should we respond when the injured are restored back to health? Let me close by saying this. If you are here today and you are injured and you haven't let your body know that you are injured, won't you let us go to our knees for you today? We're going to sing that invitation song that I talked about. You can let this body know that you're injured by walking to the front and allow us to go to our knees for you. You can make your way to the back and ask for directions to the library where one of our elders and his wife will be. They will go to their knees for you. Or you can take one of those green cards and you can write on that card what is going on in your life and we will respond. We will go to our knees for you. But if you are injured and this body doesn't know about it, won't you let us know this morning? While we stand and we sing this song.